Oh my gosh, this coffee is hot. <laughs> Here I am uh, getting ready for the program, folks. I got some fresh brewed coffee in front of me and um, uh, forgot how fresh it was. Um, all right, I'm good. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Welcome to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. Friday, speaking of <laughs> oh, what's not right, a nine-person jury in New York said that Trump must pay $83 million in damages. Uh, for his allegedly defamatory statements made against his sexual assault accuser, writer E. Jean Carroll. This, so funny, over the weekend I had a, I was talking to a liberal friend of mine. Believe it or not, a majority of my friends don't agree with me on everything politically, and I like it that way. So I'm talking to her, and she basically, you know, her her family, they're all very left. And she says to me, she goes, ah, Trump, yeah, he's a, plus he's a rapist. I said, well, wait a minute, why? And she says, well, you know, the jury found him liable of rape in New York, and, and, and you saw what happened Friday, Sam. He was even, he was even, you know, not convicted, but he was found liable for, for slandering his victim. And I said, what do you know about this woman, by the way? What do you know about the accuser? He says, well, I don't, I don't know anything, Sam, but he was found in court. The court found him guilty. I said, well, no, wait, the court found him liable. It's a civil standard. It's a preponderance of the evidence standard. It's a lower legal standard. And I say this as a lawyer, so I, the person I was talking to was not a lawyer. So I said, it's, it's, it's a, easier to get a quote-unquote conviction, a favorable result for the plaintiff in a civil case than it is to get a conviction in a criminal case. I said, but nonetheless, what do you know about the accuser? What do you know about E. Jean Carroll? So I'm going to tell you this girl, this lady is a, is, is, is bat nuts crazy. And my friend said, wow, how can you, Sam, how can you, are you victim shaming? I said, I'm not, let me pull up a clip. Let me pull up a clip of her, okay, of E. Jean Carroll talking to, getting interviewed on CNN uh, with by Anderson Cooper back in 2019 when this whole thing was breaking, when this became front page news, when New York State lifted for one year the statute of limitations so that E. Jean Carroll could pursue this case against Trump going back however many decades. And this was her first big foray into the media talking about the case. And let me play you the, the clip. Now, if you've listened to the program before, you've heard this clip. But I'm playing it again because it's important foundation for understanding who we're dealing with here. You don't feel like a victim. I was not thrown on the ground and ravished, which the word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was not this was not sexual. It just, it, it hurt. It just, what, it just, you know. Well, I think most people think of rape as a, I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not I think most sexual. people think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. Mm. 
we're just going to take a, sh- a quick break. We're, if you can stick around, we'll talk more on the other side. You're fascinating to talk to. <laughs> Do you know what my Democrat voting Trump hating friend, who is a young woman, who um, I you know I mean has would never dream of voting for Trump and believed everything she heard in the mainstream media. Do you know what her response was when I played this video for her? <laughs> she literally said, oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. Yeah, okay, we're done here. I go, do you believe this person? She goes, absolutely not. And you know why? Because my friend has been through a sexual assault and without I'm not betraying any confidences here I'm not naming her but I'm telling you anybody who has actually been through this finds this despicable this person is a performance artist and it matters because the mainstream media is running with this as yet another piece of dispositive proof that Trump is a horrible person he's a despicable person and um and doesn't deserve to be president and You can argue with me on issues of policy in other places where you disagree with Trump, and that's fine. But this, this is is a clown show. This morning on CNN, E. Jean Carroll went back on to the channel where a few years ago she completely left Anderson Cooper speechless. And speaking to Poppy Harlow, this was just this morning. Poppy Harlow, Phil Mattingly, uh, Carol declared that Trump is using her to get votes. The courtroom was not a courtroom to him. It was a campaign stop. That was clear. Um, So we had two different objectives. Ours was to win a case. His was to win voters. We'll see how that plays out. He's uh, using me to win voters. Sexual assault, a man found liable for sexual assault is using the woman he sexually assaulted to get votes. This is a lady who went to, was was basically uh, funded by a major top Democratic donor, Reed Hoffman who brought this case, who dragged Trump into court not once but twice, and she is complaining that Trump is using her as a campaign stop. I mean, let that sink in. So then Carol is asked, well, how are you going to use the money? And this is what she says. We're going to do good with that money. We're going to do, Mary Trump has suggested uh, we turn Trump Tower into an animal sanctuary, for instance. A joke. That was a joke, Poppy. <laughs> uh, no, but we're, we're inspired to uh, not waste a penny of this. And we have some good ideas that we're working on. Specifically aimed at well, what would oppose well, Trump? Well, Donald Trump hates women. Remember the New York Magazine, the famous quote when they said, Donald, what do you think of women? He said, women, they're not worth a piece of crap. Remember that quote? And so I think one of the things we could do, seeing as how he's very instrumental in taking away women's rights over their bodies across the United States, maybe we can think about how we can restore women their rights. Restore women their rights. This woman is an activist. She is a lunatic. What is? What the hell is she talking about? Is this, it, 
And Mary Trump, you know, Mary Trump, by the way, you know, she's the niece of Donald Trump, wrote the hate book on Donald Trump, is the family member that uh, gets quoted every time they want to find somebody in the family that will speak out against Donald Trump. We all have a relative like Mary Trump. I have a brother-in-law like this and a (laughs) sister-in-law. Without getting into details, trust me, I, every family has a relative that will say and do anything out of hate and out of, out of you know, um, <laughs> jealousy, okay? So that's, you know, so she's pairing up with Mary Trump. This, this is so disgusting. Well, let me, let me, let me tell you, I, I am not defending Donald Trump's virtue here. That's not what this is about. I am sick to my stomach as a lawyer that the court system and a bunch of ignoramus leftist freaks that get put on the jury in New York end up miscarrying justice in this way. If Donald Trump's name wasn't Donald Trump, if it was some unnamed average dude that was getting hauled in by this absolute you know, escapee from a lunatic asylum, And she had a history, one, of lying and fabricating and making stuff up. Two, she's on the record for saying that she's a huge fan of a TV show, crime TV show, Law and Order. And the defense pulls up an episode that that precedes Ms. Carroll, the plaintiff, making certain accusations against the defendant, Donald J. Trump. And that episode the facts of that episode, the plot of it, mirror exactly the allegations that she is making down to the exact location of where this putative rape occurred. And then the same lunatic goes on the media and says things like, oh, I think rape is sexy. (laughs) And then goes on media and sounds like a, I mean, does she... She sounds like she's slurring her words. She sounds insane. I don't know. I If it wasn't Donald Trump, if it wasn't New York City, if it wasn't that kind of a, 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 a if, 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 if it didn't have the backstory of people's animus built in already preconceived conclusions about guilt and innocence, well, I'm telling you right now that as a lawyer, as a plaintiff lawyer, as somebody who's represented honest-to-goodness rape victims, this is a clown show. If I had a client like E. Jean Carroll come to me and tell me this story, I'm sorry, I would never file this case, let alone, you know, accept her as a client. What a joke. And she signals all of this then in her interview this morning on CNN, talking to Tony DeCopel about how she will do anything she can to help Biden beat Trump. Mr. he says nothing. You say the emperor has no clothes. The emperor is trying to run for president again. And And right now is leading. And right now the polls suggest Uh, it's a coin flip. It's very close. Um, Have you heard from Joe Biden's campaign arm about potentially campaigning against the former president, Donald Trump? No. Are you interested in doing so? Do anything I can. Well, there it is. Do anything I can. I don't believe her one bit. I'm sorry. I really don't. 
and um, and I think and I think um, I really think this is a tremendous misuse of our criminal justice system. And mind you, it all fits in the pattern and practice of what the left is willing to do here. They are willing to throw out the entire justice system, a credibility uh, of which we depend on to keep order in our republic. They're willing to dispose of it all just to get Donald Trump. I'm here to tell you folks, it is not worth it. I promise you. My email, sam at samandashlaw.com if you've got comments uh, on this program, anything you'd like me to know. I'm checking it here as as I sit here in the studio, so please email me, sam at samandashlaw.com. This program, of course, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. In a crash, call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Hi, Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian. My email, sam at samandashlaw.com is where you can reach me. Grateful to be here with you folks this beautiful Monday. It's beautiful outside. Hope you're enjoying a spectacular January day wherever you may be. But if you're not in Las Vegas, I'm sorry. Because it's beautiful here. Oh my gosh. Anyway, 83.3 million in damages awarded to E. Jean Carroll, a complete con artist. Uh, this, uh, by the way, this uh, this award is going to be immediately appealed. Uh, and by one of the, by the way, one of the issues here is uh, Trump's lawyers are saying that there was a conflict between the judge and the prosecutor or the plaintiff's attorney. Excuse me on this case, and um, and that's you know that they're going to. <laughs> 18.3 million in compensatory damages, 11 million for rep repairing a reputation, 7.3 million for emotional harm, and 65 million in punitive damages. Let me tell you, as a lawyer practicing law here in Nevada and in California, this is not going to stand. Big runaway verdicts like this go in for a trimming in the Court of Appeals. So it no doubt will be reduced. She doesn't have 11 million uh, in, in reputational damage. This woman is a, is a nutter. Like I'm literally saying about her what Trump said about her and is getting paying her all this money. I, well, right, here's the issue. Um, she is, she, they just did an interview with her somewhere. They did it like two weeks ago where they followed her into the forest where she lives. It looks like something out of a serial killer documentary, folks. She's got, she's living out there in the trees. It looks like she's off grid. She have to, you know, there's a bunch of spray painted signs. It's a wackadoodle situation. Back in 2012, I think this was what, 70 years before she unearthed and came forward with her allegations against Donald Trump. A self-reported fan, E. Jean Carroll of Law and Order, 
must have seen for sure this particular episode. And here, one of the characters is discussing the um, the allegations aired. By the way, Theater Tricks is the title of this episode. The air date was January 11th, 2012. And here you have a snippet. You tell me, stop me when this starts to sound familiar. Did anyone want to role play a rape with you in a public place? Yes, there was one a bit plain and it was not her fantasy it was mine okay yeah uh ah role play took place in uh, the dressing room of bergdorf's uh while she was trying on lingerie i would burst in hold on on june 21st 2019 e jean carroll published an article in new york magazine In it, she claimed that Donald Trump had sexually assaulted her in late 1995 or early 1996. All right. And she exactly described what is in this episode that aired seven years earlier. And by the way, uh, let me just be clear here. This clip here is asking the the police are interviewing the guy and saying, well, has anybody role-played with you? Yes, somebody's role-played with me previously in this Bergdorf Goodman uh, dressing room. And and that's Carol's exact thing is that she was allegedly assaulted in a Bergdorf Goodman dressing room by Donald Trump. And remember, this is the same person. I'm going to play it again. I'm going to play it again. Robbie, I can't stop. You don't feel like a victim. I was not thrown on the ground and ravished. Which the word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was not. This was not sexual. Oh, it just. It, oh, it hurt. Of course it not. It was what, an assault. Just, you know. Well, I think most people think of rape as a. I mean, it is a violent right. assault. It is right. not. I a, think yes, most we do. people think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Uh, no, we don't. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. Mm. Think of the fantasies. Back to the Law and Order clip seven years earlier. Did anyone? want to role play a rape with you in a public place yes there was one a bit plain and it was not her fantasy it was mine okay yeah uh ah. role play took place in uh, the dressing room of bergdorf's uh while she was trying on lingerie i would burst in oh. you know what i'm gonna tell you right now i don't care if you think that donald trump is the most loathsome person on the planet this didn't happen, plain and simple. I don't believe it. You don't believe it. You know it's garbage. And it should make you, it should infuriate you that political operatives can use our legal justice system to completely, uh, der- well, to try to completely derail a major political candidate in this way. Now, I, when we come back, there's been some news today about the Murdoch murder trial. I'll give you an example just how a jury can be misled and how a jury can be influenced. You know, we don't have a perfect system. It's, it, it's certainly better than, than, you know, living in China or living in Russia, I, no doubt. But big news, there's, it's a problem, the conviction of Alec Murdoch in South Carolina can be thrown out. You know, he's the lawyer that stole money from his clients, uh, was convicted of murdering his family. And, um, you know, and, and of course now the whole conviction for the murders of his, of his wife and son is, uh, is, is I, think, I think up in smoke. 
Uh, so I'm gonna put on my lawyer hat, and explain this to you, and um, you know, I, 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 it's you got it. You got to know this. It's very important. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Be back in a moment, folks. Don't go anywhere. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit salmonashlaw.com. Friends, welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, your host. Proudly brought to you this hour of the program by Sam and Ash Injury Law. In a crash, call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234. California, Nevada, and beyond, because you deserve what's right. Now, I, Alec Murdoch, um, that's, it's spelled Alex Murdoch. But for whatever godforsaken reason down there in South Carolina, these people pronounce things differently. So I'm going, I'm going with how he pronounces his name, Alec Murdoch. And um, Alec, um, the reason this case fascinated me so much is not for the same reason it uh, entered sort of the, the public sphere of awareness, but because, of course, Alec Murdoch was a personal injury lawyer like I am here in Nevada and California. And I have, if you've followed this program, a particular and significant disdain for lawyers uh, who steal from their clients. None of this, uh, by the way, none of this should be uh, controversial, uh, but apparently, um, <laughs> apparently it can be. I think that lawyers like Alec Murdoch ought to be, I mean, for me, they are as low as, as it goes. I mean, you, you know, it's just awful. Now, Murdoch, by his own admission, uh, stole from his clients. He had a drug habit, which is not particularly unusual by some in my profession. It is, after all, a high-pressure uh, uh, environment. You've got a lot of stress. You know, I deal with it certainly by you know going out and and running and doing things that are active and spending time with my family others certainly dabble in chemicals it's uh much more common than you would imagine and so whenever somebody calls me let's say a friend from florida or whatever says hey sam what lawyer should i hire i say well, if you if if you're looking at the billboard and the guy looks like he possibly might be on drugs trust your judgment and don't hire that guy. So regardless, Alec Murdoch, you know, was down there. He was the big, you know, 800-pound gorilla in, in uh, Carlton County. And as his life was spiraling out of control, the allegation was that he killed his wife and son as the walls were closing in on him. You know the story, but I'm just giving you a little thumbnail sketch. He was convicted. Now, I, you'll recall those of you listening, following the program on a semi-regular basis, remember me talking about this, and I said that I wasn't certain that the prosecutors proved their case. Now, okay, I personally think that Alec Murdoch is guilty of sin, but I'm one of these people that, you know, like many of you, I'm able to, to separate my my personal beliefs about something from and 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 go through the the logic that is required of a sitting jury did 
the prosecution prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. And there was a lot missing here, right? It was all, uh, there was a lot missing. That's all I'm going to say. I'm glad the guy's being held responsible. I mean, I, I'm, I'm all for it, but, but just, you know, but had my concerns. Now it's coming out through testimony that a juror has come forward that she was influenced by the clerk of court. The clerk, Rebecca Hill, who was the clerk for the judge here in the trial, apparently had uh, told jurors at various instances that she thought just – she said things like about the defendant. Look at him. You know, he's guilty. You can just tell. Look at his body language. Ms. Hill allegedly told jurors not to be, quote-unquote, fooled by Mr. Murdoch's defense that she had had private conversations with the juror and told jurors before they started deliberating that this shouldn't take us long. One juror said that Ms. Hill, the clerk, had told them to watch him closely, referring to Mr. Murdoch. The juror who was identified only as Juror Z said that the comments had influenced her decision to find Mr. Murdoch guilty. Now... Let's talk about what the legal standard is to throw out a conviction, all right? The basic legal standard is a two-part test. Was there interference with the jury and did it influence them, okay? Now, two is nearly impossible to prove, right? Did it influence them? You, You basically have to get a juror saying, yes, it did. Item one is easier to prove because you can just prove any kind of interference. For example, telling the jury, look at him, look at him, look at how guilty he looks. But where I'm going with this is there's a particular line in this New York Times piece this morning when, um, when, when basically the juror is testifying and saying that, the, that the, the clerk, Ms. Hill, had told them to watch him closely. And then the juror says, this juror identified juror Z, said that the comments had influenced her decision to find Mr. Murdoch guilty. That's, that's the component there. Now, I'm, I'm fascinated by this. I'm very, obviously, I'm dismayed by the fact that there is this kind of interference going on in a trial where all eyes were on this case. And I would think the damn judge would, uh, I don't know, would have, would have kept his eyes on, and, you know, on his clerk and everybody and read them the riot act and told them you've got to do everything precisely because when you're a judge uh, in, in presiding over any case, the number one thing that you want to avoid is creating any appealable issues. So when you have a case, you want to make every decision as cleanly as you can. And if anything, err on the side of protecting, well, you want to protect, for example, the defendant in a criminal case and the plaintiff in the civil case. You want, or excuse me, the, the defense in the civil case, because what you want to see is you want to see that the, that the party that has the lower lower burden of proof the lower standard, the, the lower, well, it's not the lower standard, but the, the, the person that has that isn't required to prove their case is protected. In order to prevent 
from the you know the the ultimate decision that comes out the decision of the jury to be overturned later appealable issues it's the number one thing you want to avoid and here they didn't do it and they didn't do it on probably the most important case that Carlton County South Carolina had ever had in its history so this is, this, is, this is it's a problem, and I'm I'm am bringing it up too. You got to think of this in terms of the Eugene Carroll debacle, because you can see how easily a jury is influenced. If nine people on Trump, you know, the Trump defamation or the Trump rape trial case, if if nine, if eight or if all of them or seven of them or whatever, some significant number are from New York City, random people selected from New York City, and they all hate Trump. They all watch CNN. They all watch MSNBC. I mean, they are as corrupted by what they see on television as anyone else. And by the way, one of the allegations in the South Carolina case is that the judge knew and didn't do anything about the fact that the jury was able to keep their cell phones and were live streaming commentary about the trial as it was going on. I'm telling you right now, the Trump jury was allowed to watch CNN. They were told not to, but nothing was preventing them from doing it. So they would go day in and day out and listen to Anderson Cooper and everybody talk about how brave E. Jean Carroll was. And then they'd show up at court the next day and go, oh, yeah, he's guilty of sin. He hates women. He, meaning Donald Trump, is a despicable person. He's a rapist. Guilty. Well, liable. You know, he's, he's liable to Ms. Carroll for, for this. It happened. Yes, juries are this impressionable. I've seen it happen. When I was in law school, I was, I was put on as an alternate on a federal uh, jury for a, um, a fraud case. It was a, a prime bank fraud type case. So think of it sort of like a, not a, and yeah, it's not a Ponzi scheme exactly, but it was a, it was a, a fraud case. The, the entire case, as it seems, to seem to me, because I sat through the trial, was concocted by the FBI. The FBI agents set up a, 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 a you know, a, a, an investment company, basically, and were enticing people to pitch them on deals and, and were, were actually going out of the way to find, like, deals that were unreasonably true. Unreasonably good, not true. Unreasonably good. Now, I couldn't talk to anybody about this, this thing because I wasn't, I, I didn't end up in the deliberation. But I remember after the case was over, I was talking because they found him a jury that I was never brought up as a juror, but they found the guy guilty. And I, I talked to one of the ladies who happened to be, it was summer, you know, I was a student, so I, I could go in the summer. And so who ends up on juries over the summer? A bunch of teachers. Now, no slight on those of you teachers out there who are common sense, but frankly, a lot of your colleagues aren't. And these teachers, so I said, well, why did you, why did you guys find him guilty? What did you, what did you, what was your reasoning for that? Do you know what this woman said to me? I'll never forget this. And this is before I ever became a lawyer. This woman looked me dead in the eyes and says, oh yeah, um, 
And we knew each other because we'd spent a fair amount of time together, you know, several weeks on this case. She goes, oh, um, yeah, well, I read body language and I could just tell by his body language the entire time looking at him that he was guilty. This guy is probably still in prison because some teacher who is no expert whatsoever looked at his body language and thought he was guilty. Astonishing. That legal standard of, of in a criminal case where you know somebody, you know, the defense, not somebody, the defense has to prove, excuse me, the prosecutor has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the person is guilty. And you've got, you've got the jurors going, yeah, I think you know, body language is a little off to me. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. So this, this is a problem for the Murdoch case. I, I, I fully expect a new trial to be awarded. Here we go again. If you didn't get your fill the first time, you've got more entertainment coming your way. And if I were a taxpayer in Calton County, South Carolina, I would lose my ever-loving mind right now. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840. You're listening to The What's Right Show. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law in a crash Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. Welcome back, friends. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Okay, I've just explained to you how fallible juries are. Anyone that tells you that juries get it right all the time, that we've, you know, that this is a a perfect or near-perfect system, doesn't practice law in the real world, or is completely brain-dead. Or both. Which is why I give you this enormous gem. Uh, Sunday, meet the press with Kristen Welker Haley talking about the E. Jean Carroll defamation lawsuit award, the 80-plus million dollars awarded to her for her manifestly false claims against Donald Trump. Welker asks Haley, Nikki Haley, if she trusts the jury in the verdict. And Haley never, as per usual, misses an opportunity to make an idiot out of herself. I absolutely trust the jury. And I think that they made their decision based on the evidence. I just don't think that should take him off the ballot. I think the American people will take him off the ballot. I think that's the best way to go forward is not let him play the victim. Let him play the loser. That's what we want him to do at the end of the day. What? You know, uh, remember when I was touting Vivek Ramaswamy and many of you were angrily texting me and calling me and emailing me. By the way, my email, sam at samandashlaw.com, sam at samandashlaw.com, telling me that, uh, you know, that, that you love Trump and this is not there was not one single moment in his campaign against Trump that Vivek Ramaswamy threw the guy under the bus. Not once. Which is a, a playbook, by the way, a, a model for how every Republican ought to behave. But I digress. So here she is saying she trusts the jury. The jury is, these are clowns. 
They're ideologically influenced, manipulated clowns. They're Well, look, if you just are tuning in, you're going to have to get the podcast and go go to the very beginning of this hour because I absolutely have made mincemeat of this woman. She is a clown. And the idea of trusting the jury and have that be dispositive evidence of his guilt as a rapist and as a defamer to me is ludicrous, okay? Do you know what the outcome, by the way, would have been of the January 6th cases if the Justice Department was forced to bring them, let's say, in and around Nacogdoches, Texas? Or any other small town USA? You think that the Department of Justice could have gotten hundreds of pleas and a hundred... 70-some convictions in, I don't know, I mean, hell, even Salt Lake City, Utah, which, by the way, now is probably plus three, plus four Democrat. What's my point? Well, what's my point? What my point is, my point is it's shooting fish in a barrel when you go and and, and file charges against Trump in D.C. where it's 94% Democrat and, 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 and 99% didn't vote for Trump. Hate Trump. Benefits from the swamp. The guy or any guy, not just Trump, who goes in and promises to eradicate your living, your, your wealth, your means of paying your mortgage is going to be your sworn enemy. And so... When everybody in the city in some way, shape, or form benefits from the status quo, has a guy on trial before them, in you know, if they're in the jury box, we how do you think there's how do you think that's gonna go? Or a rank and file uh, you know, liberal New Yorker who reads the New York Times, ooh, New York Times, or you know, and or watches CNN, MSNBC and is being told day in and day out what a rapist Trump is, of course he's going to vote for, you know, is, is going to vote on the jury to, to find him liable. And Haley, Haley, the establishment shill that she is, buys into the obviously broken system. And again, I'm saying this as a lawyer. By the way, folks, let me tell you, there was a development here in Las Vegas over the over the weekend, late last week. There were some charges filed against a sitting judge here in Las Vegas. I, You know what? I'm going to – I'll share that with you here at the top of the hour when we come back. Well, it couldn't have happened to a nicer person, by the way. Speaking of judges who have agendas, yeah. By the way, um, but before I get to that, I just want to finish up with Haley. So you – know, Trump, by the way, you remember how there was a movement last week? Somebody came forward and said the RNC should just end the primary. I shared that with you. I said it wasn't a good idea. Well, news came out on Friday saying that Trump, Trump himself came forward and said, no, I don't think this is a good idea. I want to finish Nikki Haley, you know, fair and square, essentially. So Sunday on that same Meet the Press uh, segment with Kristen Welker, Haley said that... Um, 
you know, that, that the RNC isn't an honest uh, broker of this. Listen. I mean, clearly not. If you're going to go and, and basically tell the American people that you're going to go and decide who the nominee is after only two states have voted, this is a democracy. The American people want to have their say in who is going to be their nominee. We need to give them that. I don't think this is the place of the RNC to do it. I think that uh, Trump overstepped when he pushed them to do it, and I think that's why he's had to back down. Well, he's had to back down. He's not put... Fine, but he did, and she's a day late and a dollar short complaining about it again. Man, he Donald Trump could do the right thing and, and, and get criticized. He could do the wrong thing and get criticized. Man, this guy can't do anything without getting criticized. It's unbelievable. Haley might as well become a Democrat. All right, let me tell you a little bit about judges here in Las Vegas when we come back. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Rarely wrong, always right. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Happy Monday, January 29th. Grateful to be here with you folks. Uh, hope you all had a uh, fabulous weekend. Of course, I um, uh, mostly stayed out of trouble. Beautiful weather. I, it's carrying into today. As you know, here in Vegas, it will be cold again at the end of the week. So if you have an opportunity to get out there, enjoy yourselves, enjoy the sun, leave the house, Take your coat off because it'll all be cold again before we know it. Now, late last week, there was a, a development. I got I to share this with you before it fascinates me as a practicing lawyer here at the, well, at Sam and Ash Injury Law Office downtown Las Vegas. And um, uh, there was a formal statement of charges issued against a judge here in Las Vegas. Now, let me, let me, to take you through this a little bit, if I may, because one of the principal problems that we've had here in Las Vegas is that, you know, every single judgeship is an elected position. And in the last several cycles, basically any woman that was on a ballot, any female name, I, I need to be clear about this, any female name that appeared on the ballot besides a man's name, a male name, presumptively got the job. I mean, it was, I think maybe with one exception in the last cycle, every every woman won. And simple math, the women vote for women. Half the men out there go, oh, I'm going to vote for the woman. It's all good. But they have no idea who any of these candidates are. Now, I'm making a determination, by the way, side note here about, you know, recommending to you people to vote for. I am... Um, I, I am working that out right now, and I don't know if I'm necessarily going to get involved in the primaries. I will absolutely give you a list when it comes time to the November general election, okay? But I, um, I definitely think some of these people are wholly unqualified, and one of them is this gal named Erica Ballou. Now, I've... I can tell you, I've, I know lawyers who have appeared before her, and she is a disgrace. But I'm going to, I'm not going to get into all of that, but I, I'm just going to say that there are some formal charges that have been filed against her. 
by the special counsel before the Nevada Commission on Judicial Discipline. And one of the <laughs> this this is great. Apparently, in 21, these are the allegations set forth in this complaint. Uh, apparently, she posted on social media when she went to the Life is Beautiful concert. She, um, uh, you know, had to be in court the next day. She had to be in court at 8.30 in the morning, right? Pretty normal. And she posted at 10.46 at night the evening prior, quote, life is still beautiful, referring to the Life is Beautiful concert, and saying that despite the fact that Billie Eilish doesn't start for 30 minutes and I have an 8.30 calendar tomorrow, you know, this is, I guess she's just going to, like maybe not come to work. But it wasn't that. She put a hashtag, and you know what a hashtag is? A hashtag basically is a, is a word that becomes a keyword that is searchable, but people use it one of two ways. They either use it to have the word that is searchable or, or they also use it to sort of make a point. You know, so it doesn't become a keyword, it just becomes sort of the, the, the kind of the, the punchline of the joke of what they're saying. And in the punchline, if you will, of the joke of the tweet was vacate the SH, you know what, out of custody cases. And meaning basically she's, I guess in this joking tweet is saying that she's going to like just let custody cases get out of her court so she doesn't have to go and work because she's at a music festival. And then she has a tweet that says, or a hashtag, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? There is an exhibit attached to this showing that. Now, this in and of itself is pretty bad. There's also a April 2022 social media post on Facebook. I guess she uses Facebook. And it shows her in a hot tub with two public defenders. I'm not going to name them because, you know, they didn't ask to be called into this, but um, they're basically, and well, one of, the, one of the public defenders is a woman, the other one is a man. The man is in the middle. It's a fairly scandalous picture, and it uses the man's name. I'll call him for the sake of this conversation, Bob. Bob is surrounded by great, and then a slang word for breasts. And there is an exhibit here uh, showing that. So, so ba this is, I mean, this is, and, and the, by the way, the problem here is that judges are required to be impartial. So they, you can't have a judge that is posting pictures of herself in the hot tub with public defenders that may or may not have, you know, matters to be heard before her. Can't do that, right? That's, that's bad. <laughs> Rule 1.2 of the judge's canon mandates that a judge shall act at all times in a manner that promotes public confidence in the independence, integrity, and impartiality of the judiciary. So there it is, right? And then the duties of the judicial office as prescribed by law should take precedence over all of the judge's personal extrajudicial activities. Well, that doesn't seem to be the case if you're tweeting from a music festival that, you know, you're too bad. You're going to vacate your cases the next day because you're waiting to hear Billie Eilish. So this is the kind of stuff that goes on. This is why we as voters really need to clean this thing up. And I mentioned, I you know, last week, I'm meeting with 
a few stakeholders in this uh, this coming week, and I'm I'm gonna work on really coming up with a list, you know, that we can uh, that we can we can use come come the general election. I may warn you of a few people here and there here in the primaries, but I think in the general election we definitely need to clean this up because there are judges that simply shouldn't be in the positions that they hold. And it's not just that they let criminals out of jail. It's just some of them are bad judges. And the risk, you know, that, you know, that a lot of people who know enough about this are lawyers. And lawyers don't want to come out and comment about it because they don't want to have a matter in front of a judge and then, you know, have the judge, you know, punish them for speaking out publicly. So the system sort of protects itself here in Vegas and, you know, I'm just enough of a recovering Californian, just enough of an independently minded person where I don't care enough about that. And I really want to see these judges removed from office or change their behavior. And I think those are, you know, those are those are goals. Those are things that can be attained or, or, or can be, you know, can be, you know, can can can. That's a, that's a that's an objective that can be met. So this, um, by the way, this was been picked up now by the uh, by the RJ. They're reporting on it. You know, a lot of news sources are citing it. But what they don't know is that I think the only reason that these these charges are being filed is because enough lawyers have had enough of her, and even lawyers who are otherwise liberal and otherwise you know fairly tolerant and and maybe supported Erica uh, Ballou, Judge Ballou, and you know in, in previous in her previous election, I think have uh, have had enough. So this stuff needs to stop. It's frustrating, and I'm sharing it with you because when I talk about judges here, and I know many of you are very concerned about judges, this is one of the things that you know is flying under the radar and uh, needs to be addressed. All right, friends, quick break here. You're listening to the What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. In a crash, call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. Rarely wrong, always right. Sam Rachofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. So Trump rejects the GOP plan to install him as the presumptive nominee. You know this. There are some contests coming up, particularly February 8th, Nevada, 26 delegates. February, folks, is going to be the month, the day that the uh, that the caucuses are held. On the 6th, we have the election. Now, I had a listener uh, email me. By the way, you can do that, sam at salmonashlaw.com, sam at salmonashlaw.com. Listener emailed me and, um, and asked, why would, why would we vote none of the above on the ballot and then go and vote for Trump in the caucuses? Wouldn't it just matter? It doesn't matter. It's the same functional thing as if we didn't have you know, didn't even return the ballot. And I said, well, my answer to that, of course, is that Nikki Haley's going to look to see and say that she won because she's the only candidate on the Nevada GOP ballot. She's going to want to say that she won the election, which will technically be true. But the caucuses is the only place where the um, where the ballot, you know, where where the delegates are, are awarded. Right. Does that make sense? You know her. She likes to claim. She likes to claim credit that she um, that she won the election, even in, in places where she comes in third. 
So on the same day, February 8th, Virgin Islands, four delegates, February 24th, South Carolina, February 16th, in the middle is Michigan, 16 delegates. Remember, Trump still needs a total of 1,215 delegates. Um, so so this, is, um, this, is, this is where we're at. Remember, go to the, go to your, when you get your ballot, none of the above for president, if you, if you intend to you know, give your vote to Trump, none of the above on the ballot. And then what you'll want to do is um, you'll want to, um, well, you'll, you'll want to go to the caucuses, show up between five and 7.30, you know, stay for the whole meeting. You can just go in quickly, get validated, cast your secret paper ballot and go. Any registered Republican voter is eligible to participate in the caucus. Any eligible voter. Now, the election, the primary election is starting to be more interesting perhaps on the Democrat side. And I, you know, I think there's a, you know, Matt Taibbi wrote a piece about an electoral fix already being in. Um, we'll get into that a little bit, but what's, what's fascinating is, well, well, one, first off, you know, Gavin Newsom, Gavin Newsom is still um, is still being very kind and effusive about Joe Biden. Here's what he said when asked by Alex Wagner on MSNBC on Friday um, if he would want to run. You are an excellent emissary in terms of passion, engagement, articulation, all of the things that, you know, make for a good campaigner, though we know you're not running for president yourself. No chance. <laughs> no chance. Yeah. Who in their mind would want to run uh, when you have someone of such esteem as our incumbent president okay. of the United States with a record of accomplishments and a man of character, a man of decency? I'm old school. Talk about loyalty. I'll, I'll go to ends of the earth for this guy. I really would. I'm not, I'm not making that up. <laughs> I'm old school. Somebody of his caliber and, and quality. I mean, this, th but it's brilliant. This is the right strategy for Newsom. It's the right strategy. And I would say that this sort of uh, dovetails into the perplexion among Democrats trying to figure out why why in the world Donald Trump is doing as well as he is in the primaries. How is it possible that uh, this man who says he wants to be a dictator on day one, uh, who has been uh, indicted on 91 felony counts, who has been impeached twice, who led an insurrection, how is it possible that he's running away with the nomination of one of America's great parties? Well, uh, That to me is terrifying. That's uh, even, even if you look at you know, what I consider his least transgression, he's sitting in the Oval Office behind the Resolute Desk signing hush money, hush money payment checks to a porn star. How is it possible that guy is a candidate for president? This is Adam Schiff, who himself is running for Congress, uh, excuse me, for the Senate out in California. So he's talking to Bill Maher, and Bill Maher starts to push back because the obvious answer is that the media has a fix in for for Biden and a fix in against Trump and the voters have had enough. Mars skirting around the subject here. Trump is winning two blocks that he never won before. Hispanics 
and people under 35. But I also think it's not a great strategy to, to run a Democratic campaign based on how can they like this guy? <laughs> they just, some people just do. Maybe, maybe better to look at why they have, I mean, why is, why is he winning among the people who are rapists <laughs> and they bring drugs? That guy, maybe, maybe there's something, there's flaw in the ointment there. That's exactly right. On one hand, right, you've got the media, you know, absolutely destroying Trump, absolutely destroying him at every turn they get. And people are starting, look, the people that have been convinced that Trump is a rapist believe is a rapist. And, and you're, those, are, those people are already kind of baked into the, into the electoral equation. And then you have on the other side, you have people who are sort of in the middle and maybe don't love Trump, but, you know, but are are amenable to understanding he's pretty decent. And they're just getting tired of the same old things. Give me new arguments for why not to vote for him. But the media is stuck in first gear when it comes to Trump. Now, what why am I why am I um, why am I bringing this up? Well, because the other side of it. The other side of it is that, you know, that you have that you have the media also at the very same time. What are they doing? They're building up Joe Biden, right? They're building up Joe Biden and they're just saying he's the best one ever. He's the best one ever. Now, I understand why a deeply flawed politician like Gavin Newsom from California is, is buttering him up because it's all upside for him. But the media the media lying like this through their teeth, on one hand, denigrating Trump excessively, in my view, obviously, and on the other hand, talking up a guy who is a walking shell of his former self, Joe Biden. I'm just, I'm thinking like, I'm thinking there's something up. And that's why Bill Maher in the same program spoke to Seth MacFarlane, family guy, uh, actor and, and writer, and he sort of spar, they're sparring over journalism. And and McFarlane goes, well, you know, typical kind of basic Hollywood guy, and I think representative of, of a chunk of the country, says, you know, are talking about, you know, news stories and how dare, or not how dare, but, you know, maybe, you know, people like, uh, I don't know, New York Post or whatever, shouldn't have comment sections for their articles. So McFarlane starts this out, and, 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 uh, and Bill Maher, you know, quickly kind of <laughs> brings him to heel. Well, I have no idea what, what these outlets gain by allowing comments on their, uh, mm -hmm. on their sites. It's like this reporter took the time to research this, to fact check it, oversight from an editor, and if they got it wrong, then they have to print a retraction. What if it's just slanted? What if it's wrong, what? but what if it's just slanted? What if it's not wrong, it's just slanted? That, and that's that, what somebody's pointing out in the column. Well, then Were write they, a letter to the editor. Do your research and formulate your argument uh, but, but coherently. That, but that, that appears a week later. So what? Well, so so because the, but then I've forgotten it or I don't but see it. But it's like there's, there's, this, there's this, this thing we take for granted now that the, the journalist who did the work gets to have their piece put on the same shelf as everyone else's spur of the moment. Bullshit. Yeah, but that spur of the moment, you know, firing back if you've got a high-ranked comment, I'm just, I'm now I'm getting into the weeds here, but a high-ranking comment means it has, you know, it, it, it has some, some appreciation. And it's, 
and 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 who, by the way, decided to elevate these authors of these pieces? They don't do their work. They come up with an opinion. They put it out there. They use the prestige of whatever paper they're at to elevate their nonsense opinion. And the real spur of the moment bull, mm, to quote Seth MacFarlane, is what these authors are putting in. So then, of course, Seth MacFarlane says, you know, yeah, basically, Bill Maher, you want to trust journalists about as much as Trump is telling you to trust journalists. Listen. You seem to trust journalists more than I do. I trust certain journalists, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, certain ones I do. Yeah. Not a lot. And Not a lot? I, no. And I'm, everything I read, whatever source, it's only half the truth. They print the narrative. They don't print truth. That's a they, generalization, though. Well, it, it is, really? but it's because it's generally true. They print they print the side of the story. By the way, that's they exactly print. what Donald Trump wants. What they, you just said is exactly what he wants. I, it doesn't matter. Don't trust don't trust the reporters. Okay. Don't trust the journalists. Well, Hitler was a vegetarian. Doesn't mean I'm like Donald Trump. <laughs> Amen. Matt Taibbi up next, talking about what he has to say. Yes, this is all tying together. Sam Murchowski, News Talk 840. Be right back in a moment. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. All right, we are live and local. Friends, welcome to the program. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. The question is, when it comes to the election, is the fix already in? And this is an interesting thing because, of course, there are a number of candidates running in the Democratic side, and they are, well, you wouldn't even know they exist, right? We talked about this. We talked about this not that recently. Back in the, well, last two, uh, last two uh, cycles here, not cycles, but two, yeah, well, the two primary races, um, I, you know, and certainly in Iowa and New Hampshire, we had uh, the Democrats performing fairly decently against Joe Biden. Joe Biden's sitting all this out, of course, he's saying, well, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm above this. I'm already the nominee. You know, these people aren't to be taken seriously or whatnot. But it's, well, you know, the no labels movement. Well, that's the, you know, that's the, that's the anti-Trump side of it. But the Democrats are doing their own thing to uh, ensure that it is Joe Biden that is running in the race. That's a fascinating thing. Now, I, uh, what do I mean by this? Well, let's start with on the Trump side of things, right? There is a letter, and I have it here somewhere here in my stack of stuff. There is a letter that that was sent to the DOJ. And in the letter, um, well, they, they go through an 80-minute call that was obtained by a semaphore, a, well, a news source. It, it, had, it had a plan for legal attacks, opposition research, and warnings to potential candidates and donors that involved themselves with a no-labels bid. 
because the no labels people are worried not that these not that their movement will take votes away from Trump, but rather it'll take votes away from Biden, ensuring a Trump victory. Here is a quote from that leaked audio. Through every channel we have to their donors, their friends, the press, everyone should send the message. If you have one fingernail clipping of a skeleton in your closet, we will find it. That was one speaker on the call uh, and the recording of which was obtained by the media and they're publishing this and it was sent in a letter by the No Labels group to the DOJ saying, hey, this is election interference. If we've ever seen it, what are you going to do about it? Quote, if you think you were vetted when you ran for governor, you're insane. That was nothing. We're going to come at you with every gun we can possibly find. We did not do that with Jill Stein or Gary Johnson. We should have, and we will not make that mistake again. What are they threatening here, by the way? Why is this relevant? Well, they're telling anybody that runs as a third-party candidate that they will absolutely destroy them. And what is this group? Well, they don't have a name, but they're a group dedicated to ending any third-party run that could be detrimental to to Biden, excuse me, and could lead to Trump getting elected. It is being described, by the way, as a multi-front campaign to stop the independent group, No Labels, from injecting a third major candidate in the upcoming 2024 election. This is wild stuff. You know, they want to put Big O in prison for four and a half years for putting his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk, calling it election interference. And they've got a group of of politically connected, powerful Washington, D.C. types saying that they will destroy any third party candidate that runs in this election. They've got the evidence of that. What do you think is the likelihood, by the way, of any single one of these people getting prosecuted? I think it's pretty it's pretty low, right? I think it's pretty low. These people are politically connected. Most of them are Democrats. Most of them are anti-Trumpers, and that earns you a certain amount of love from the establishment, even if you are attempting to create a situation that potentially unseats the commander-in-chief. You know, Taibbi's piece, by the way, his, his thought here is that the fix is already in and that we are seeing sort of the basis, the foundations laid for that fix before our very eyes. And one of the things that he says is, he says, well, look, for example, of all the stories out there about the need to keep a second Trump presidency in check and perhaps reorganize the Uh, control over the military. There was a article he cites that says that there's, uh, it'll be uh, necessary for new forms of external control over the military, citing Senator Richard Blumenthal's bill to clarify the Insurrection Act. Blumenthal's act would add a requirement that Congress or courts ratify presidential decisions to deploy the military at home seeking essentially to attach a congressional breathalyzer to the presidential steering wheel. These are major constitutional changes, so I don't know how uh, easy it would be. 
But you see this kind of stuff being put out there in the media, and you know what they're saying. They're laying the groundwork for already being able to – Trump gets elected and being able to say, well, he needs training wheels. He needs guardrails. He needs protections. And the only way they're going to get those protections is if they convince everybody that he is a menace and a threat. Meanwhile, we have escalating tensions in the Middle East, and we have both Republicans and Democrats out there baying for blood to nuke Iran. That happened over the weekend. Look, I, I, no doubt Iran is a malicious and malevolent player in the region. But the problem here isn't necessarily Iran. It's the fact that we have an administration, and not Trump's, but Biden's, that allowed Iran to grow its coffers to have uh, limits that were placed by Trump, by the Trump administration removed and allowed Iran to grow in its presence in the, in the Middle East to support Hamas, Hezbollah, and now the Houthis in Yemen who are uh, proving to be a thorn in our side, to say the least. All of this is a direct consequence, folks, of giving a long leash to Iran, and that is the doings of not this terrible president who may come back and re-enter office, 45, turning into 47, I mean Donald Trump. It's the work of Biden, who's supposed to be the quote-unquote adult in the room. Almost exactly everything what they are saying and projecting about Trump being a lunatic is just that. It's projecting. They are projecting their own weakness, their own policy failures onto the other side. And in the meantime, the group that cares so deeply about elections, I, by this I mean, of course, you know, the Democrats, are not allowing, giving any airtime or any, any recognition to a candidate who in New Hampshire, oh, what it was, 20%? This is not insignificant. So I'm, you know, I I, I, I tell you all of this is, um, is 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 really is is interesting and, and stuff that is developing. And um, here are the groups, by the way, on the call. Uh, let's see, the third way that's a Democrat center left group, MoveOn.org, and Citizens United. Aha, the Lincoln Project. American Bridge, Public Citizen, and Reproductive Freedom for All, Sarah Longwell, Bill Crystal, former Senator Doug Jones, Reed Hoffman, the guy who is supporting E. Jean Carroll, an aide to him, and Dimitri Melhorn. I'm just giving you a little, little glimpse, okay? So the very group that says they want open and fair elections the very people that are calling Trump a dictator are, res are re well, they're openly resolving to using Gestapo tactics to prevent you and I from having all choices possible in the upcoming election. Never forget that. Yeah, I'll call it just what it is. It's projecting. That's what it is. It's pure and simple projection. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. Hi. 
Hi, welcome friends. Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian. My email, sam at samandashlaw.com. Sam at samandashlaw.com. Grateful to be here with you. All right. Excellent. By the way, a listener, Alan, sent me a story this morning that I wanted to share with you. If Trump were president, those soldiers would be alive David Strom uh, published this morning, January 29th. Alternate histories are always speculative, so I cannot prove my assertion. But let's face it, most rational people know, even if they won't admit it, that Biden has been extraordinarily weak when it comes to foreign policy. It goes to say in this article, most of what I told you earlier, I said this on on Friday, as people died as a consequence of Biden's weakness and that we as a country essentially uh, decided that we preferred to end mean tweets and to do so sacrifice lives, that tens of thousands of people are gone because the U.S. dithered. One of the my critical takeaways here, and, and by the way, Alan, thank you for sending me this piece. One of the critical takeaways is we kept being told what a, what a rube Donald Trump was on, on foreign policy. It turned out that when it came to a lot of stuff, he was, he was absolutely right. And it's to the point where even common sense Democrats are saying, hey, you don't have to like the guy, but, you know, we're four pretty good years, even on, on foreign policy. Let's take, for example, NATO. It's pretty damn good that Trump got NATO to invest, NATO countries to invest in their militaries and their joint efforts under the North American Treaty Organization Charter to have militaries in better preparedness to face the current crisis. That's a fact. If Hillary Clinton had won the presidency and Trump had never been, there is a... uh, significant likelihood first that that um, Putin would have operationalized his attack sooner but but two that that he might have gone further than just Ukraine he might have entered into Poland or countries that are part of NATO where the charter would have required the rest of Europe and the United States to come to those countries aid and defense but everything from the disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal that cost us uh, an inordinate amount of uh, well, we lost, of course, some personnel there, but you know, people there died. I mean, plain and simple. We weren't able to evacuate our assets. We left equipment behind. We left weapons behind. We left our dogs behind. You'd think the left at least cares about dogs, but not even the dogs were spared. Biden's idiocy. So this is this is I Alan, thank you for sending me this piece. I, I I agree with you on this, and it's funny that this piece was published just what is it, three days after I said what I said here on the What's Right show. Now, speaking of idiocy from the Biden administration, uh Corinne Jean Pierre, look, you can write off some stuff that Biden says as dementia, as misspeak, as word salad, but you know, Corinne Jean Pierre doesn't have dementia. Corinne Jean-Pierre is just an idiot. Uh, She's underqualified for the position that she holds. Clear to me that she was put in there because she's a woman and a lesbian. So she was asked 
uh, and Friday at a White House press briefing in the afternoon about natural gas shipments that apparently the Biden administration is pausing. And uh, uh, this is what she said. So today, the Biden-Harris administration announced a temporary pause on pending decisions on exports of liquefied national natural gas. To, uh, to certain countries until the Department of Education can update the underlying assessments. The Department of Education needs to chime in on natural gas shipments? Well, what in the world? So then in the same press conference, Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm said that she never heard the Biden uh heard Biden promise to end fossil fuels, uh, just got weirder from there. Activists are hailing the decision, a powerful statement, we can no longer allow these industries to continue operating. And that harkens back to, to President Biden's campaign vow to put the fossil fuel business out of business. And, and he said that, uh, he said, read my lips, we will put fossil fuels out of business. Uh, I, I did not hear him say that. I think the oh, president recognizes. Just look at YouTube. <laughs> this is CNBC, right? This isn't Fox. This is CNBC. So Kernan's like, look at YouTube. By the way, here's 2019 Biden on the campaign trail saying he was going to end fossil fuels, uh, lest there be any doubt of his intentions. But kiddo, I want you to just take a look, okay? You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate with the courts. And he says at the end, I'm not going to cooperate with the courts, meaning I'm going to act in an extrajudicial way. I'm going to act like a dictator. I'm going to act like a guy who's above the law, which is, by the way, what he's doing with, for example, student loan forgiveness. He's moving again to strike or you know, write down uh, and, and forgive whole blocks of student loan uh, debt that he, that the Supreme Court has said you can't do that and has enjoined him from doing so. And he's, Biden's just like, man, I don't care. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. Then he turns around and attacks the Supreme Court. Astonishing stuff. So what do I make of all of this? I tell you folks, you know, you want to make the world dependent on Russia you want to you want to put money into Putin's pocket let's stop sending the world liquefied natural gas and let's make the world dependent on Putin these people are so flipping stupid they couldn't chew gum and fart at the same time speaking of being too dumb to do both those things in tandem Justin Trudeau in Canada, Kevin O'Leary, who's on the Shark Tank, he's a Canadian guy, gets asked about uh, about his prime minister, if you will. He doesn't live in Canada anymore. Cavuto's Neil Cavuto, Fox Business. Cavuto asked O'Leary about recent comments Trudeau made bashing Trump as president. <laughs> Kevin O'Leary's like, ah, don't get me started. It's one of the richest countries on earth from a natural resource basis. It's managed by idiots. Trudeau is the worst prime minister ever put in power. Very successful politician, no executional skills. Hopefully, we will thank him for his service within the next 18 months. It's so important to Canada that he move on. And 
I don't I mean no disrespect but full disrespect very successful politician sure. incredibly weak manager so you says you argue he has not taken advantage of those resources that's what that comes down to right oh it's much worse than that um, okay. I wouldn't let him manage a candy store <laughs> isn't that true Trudeau's a clown they're all clowns they all are lost in, in an ideology that's been discredited everywhere it's ever been tried. Determining what natural resources ought to be used and ought not to be used. By the way, that's why O'Leary's talking about how rich Canada is in natural resources and why it is dead broke because the politicians there, led by clown boy himself, Justin Trudeau, illegitimate son of Fidel Castro, all likelihood, asterisk, asterisk, uh, is completely devoted to an Earth-centric global warming ideology and, and is, uh, that by the way, that's just like the tip of the iceberg. Uh, you know, the iceberg is melting, yes, but it's just the tip. The rest of the iceberg, particularly that which lies beneath the surface, is uh, deeply, deeply left-wing socialist. And so Canadians are in no way inferior to us here in the U.S. I mean, I, it's, you know, we all have family and friends that live in Canada or from Canada. They're great people. But their government is, is just, uh, uh, ju I mean, just uh, uh, unbelievably left-wing and has been hijacked by radicals. It's terrifying stuff. We need to get Robbie into all the Jordan Peterson stuff, by the way. They try to silence him. It's... It's great. The more they attack the truth tellers in society, the more they go after those of us who tell the truth, the more powerful we become. That's, that's something you can take to the bank. So keep the faith, my friends. Stay strong. I love you all. I'll be back here tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, Sam at SamAndAshLaw.com. That's my email. Email me with any comments and concerns. I'll see you again tomorrow. Be well out there, folks. Bye.